Welcome everyone to Papa Spice's Hot Takes with Hans and Harry. How is everyone out there in internet land doing? We hope you are doing well. I am your host with the most, Papa Spice, coming at you live and in color. Um, well, live for me, not for you, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, and I am joined by my best buds, uh, Hans and Harry. We like to discuss and dissect all things pop culture, uh, but with a particular focus on movies and TV. Hans, how are you tonight, buddy? Oh, okay, nice. Good. Glad you're doing well. Uh, no, the audio track didn't jump out. Uh, Hans is at home um, doing the new dad part uh, two, the return stuff. Uh, the birth of his child went very well. Woo! Um, yes, clap, clap, clap. Mommy and daddy are doing great. Yes, we are very happy for him and bouncing baby Riley. Um, our boy Hans, uh, uh, affectionately known as Beach Dog, a.k.a. Tendies, <laughs> a.k.a. The Boy, um, <laughs> a.k.a. Roving Reporter. He's got all the names in the streets, but yeah, he's he's not joined by us tonight, which is kind of weird, right? This is our first episode where yeah. we don't have the full trinity. So It's sad. Yeah. I'm sad. Anyway, how you doing, Harry? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, we would love to be doing it here, uh, with the trio, as you mentioned. Um, but there's, you know, there's an element for this episode where I don't think hands would have seen many, uh, many products, uh, or much product, <laughs> I should say, um, you know, as of last year. So, uh, and, you know, with having a child come on the way, um, you know, we want to give the people the content, but you know. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm really missing him and I wish I could, I'm, I'm glad I saw him today and um, got to hug him. Um, but, uh, he's doing great. Uh, baby's doing great. Uh, Finn, I think is, is doing great. I didn't get his words on, on how it is being a, a, a quadruple now instead of a trio. Um, so mm. more to come, I guess, in his future for it, but, uh, I'm doing well tonight. Uh, very excited. Um, talk movies, uh just trying i just finished watching liverpool win as always that's one of my favorite things to do um and i'm sure for you is is we can't go an episode without mentioning it uh this feels like fall weather it feels like it's here for you baby oh man it feels like it's here for you this is my zone like give me that crisp 40 to 50 degree weather oh love it yeah sunshine but cool yes absolutely sunshine but cool um so we're recording this on november 1st as the crow flies <laughs> so halloween just passed spooky season over uh, did you do anything fun for halloween uh well um no i didn't uh i got home jill was working until nine thirty, and my mom took the uh brunt of handing out the candy to the neighborhood kids so mm-hmm. uh the house was dim and uh yeah you know spooky season ain't my ain't my time but i i know you did yeah, you end up making the back. trip out to the mall did you do that yeah we did we uh trick-or-treated at the mall uh which nice. was okay but uh yeah i think we're gonna go bigger next year my my daughter for those unawares uh, three so she's a bit younger so we didn't want to do the door-to-door thing just yet but i think next yeah. year will be time but more importantly <laughs> since we're uh a podcast about movies uh spooky season wrapped up for me with horror movies um 
I I didn't do a horror movie every day for October, but I did them for most days. Surprising um, for you. Yeah, and it um I saw some some goodies, but I think um the one that I would recommend above all others is a film from this year, 2023. Uh it's called When Evil Lurks, and it is currently streaming on Shudder, although I believe you can rent it on Amazon Prime. It is a Spanish language film, but it is absolutely bug nuts insane. Uh, probably the most surprising slash shocking horror movie I've seen since Barbarian last year. Whoa. Um, and for those that have seen that, it's very twist and turns. Uh, th- there aren't as many twist and turns in this, but when the violence happens, it is very sudden and very, oh my goodness. Um uh, <laughs> So, yeah, check it out if you guys get a chance. When Evil Lurks, Mwah. Chef's Kiss, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Uh, anything else before we we dive forward? No, let's, uh, I mean, let's do, well, I mean, can I don't know. Can one dive forward? Can one, dive can down, one move right? on? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, yeah, let's, let's, let's rock it. Um, well, we can't really rock it, I must say. Um, I as, know. as we mentioned, Tendies, the boy, the boy is not here. <sighs> uh, I had this great music planned, and you know what? It's not here, but that's okay because oh. you know what? It's not the same without it's hands not. anyway. It's so. not. He's our guy. He's our, he's our um, reporter. Hands, RIP, F's in the chat. Anyway, moving on to the news. <laughs> so I guess we'll start off with the weekend box office, which is again mm. usually hands his bag. Uh coming in at number one, Five Nights at Freddy's, the filmic adaptation of the video game, the popular video game, uh earned eighty mil in its opening weekend. Wild. Yeah, crazy. Uh, number two, Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, hanging in there, fifteen point four million. Number three, Killers of the Flower Moon, nine point three million. Uh, number four, After Death, with five point one million. And number five, The Exorcist Believer, uh, with three point three million. And I'm not, I don't a hundred percent know for sure, but I feel like Exorcist probably wasn't in the top five the previous week. And I think maybe it came back um, probably Mm. with a boost uh, right before Halloween boost. Uh, Any thoughts on the top five here? Yeah, I mean, um, saw Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Didn't see it in uh, in real life, so saw the movie version of it uh, pretty recently, I guess, since the last time we potted, I think. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, uh, I think Taylor Swift has some, some good catchy songs and, uh, love the pop music. So it was a good time. Um, not surprising that it's two still, uh, still hanging around. Um, I guess I'm surprised a little bit at, at, at how much money Killers of the Flower Moon is making, um, now with only 9.3 million. And, uh, I don't think it even was number one at the box office because I think Taylor Swift beat it last week. So, um, it's it's a tough it's a listen as a, as a man who loves movies it, it's a tough look for your boy um but uh you know it is what it is on that i went and saw it uh you know we'll talk more about it a little bit later no idea about after death exorcist believers you mentioned got that halloween push um but otherwise uh pretty forgettable movie and listen five nights at freddy's man uh 
I don't know. I, I haven't heard good reviews. I don't know anything about the, you said it was a video game or was it like an iPad game or something? Yeah. Or uh, I believe it was for the computer. I don't think it was. Really? Console. Okay. Um, no idea. No idea of the history or the lore of that. Um, not a movie for me. And it makes 80 million. Um, don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, PG 13 rating definitely helped it. Uh, you know, with especially being over, I mean, Hey, perfect release date, uh, as well um right in for the halloween weekend but uh yeah just uh just tough i don't know i don't know what the, i don't know what to make of it you maybe maybe papa you can make some some sense for me yeah well like i don't know uh i think with five nights at freddy's uh, i want to say some of this success was definitely to be expected because this was it's not on the same level for kids as um like Minecraft and Roblox and Fortnite, but I would say it's like the next year down in terms of right. like, like guys of children. Uh, it's just very popular game to maybe not even play, but like at least watch other people play. Yeah. And it's very centered around jump scares. I mean, basically, you know, you, I'm sure you're able to discern the plot from the the trailers and stuff, but it, it's kind of like what happens if you get locked into a, uh, a haunted Chuck E. Cheese overnight and, you know, you're right. certain the animatronics come to life. Yeah. With murder. Uh, so I don't know. It's crazy because I've never played the games, but I saw the initial trailer and I'm like, Hmm, I, I mean, it looks kind of good. I might, I might watch this. I, I definitely had no intention of going to the theater to see it because it was going to open day and date streaming as well on peacock and so i'm like all right perfect i don't need to you know waste a trip to the theater but i can watch this and then the reviews started coming in and boy Mm. it was ugly and normally i i take reviews with a grain of salt but it was just so overwhelmingly bad from both uh, critics as well as uh people whose movie opinions i respect friends and uh, I just, I didn't even want to bother wasting my time with it. I've got enough other stuff on my plate to keep me busy. So it was kind of a, a bummer in that regard. And I made a statement yeah. uh, in our group chat about it where I was like, yeah, it's a shame because I was really hoping for something scary and and like good. And it turns out this isn't the case. And I think Hollywood's going to take the wrong lesson from it. You know, I had mentioned a yeah, sequel's a already point. been greenlit. But... But I, upon thinking about it further, I was like, maybe I was being too harsh about it because yes, like I, the horror fan in me wants a good quality horror movie. Like I always like good horror, but, but I also was thinking about, it, I'm like, eh, and especially after our discussion today at lunch, like maybe I just wasn't the target demographic for this. And you know yeah. what, if they just want to throw crap against the wall and it makes money good for them you know i was never right. going to be the guy to watch it anyway although yeah. i kind of was thinking about it so i don't know I'm, I'm i'm of two minds on it i guess but uh hey you know what it's making bank good for them uh but very yeah. surprising yeah and I, I just i just looked it up too you know the movie came out in 2014 uh or sorry the, the, the game, game. Uh, yeah. so, you know, you just think about it, you have a 10 year old who plays that now they're 20 or you have an eight year old who plays it, you know, or hears about it, True. finds it maybe a couple of years later. And, you know, now they're, so I think, I think they hit a right moment. Um, you know, you see this a lot with, uh, with things and especially nowadays where like, 
it's better to capitalize a little bit on something that might be within the five to 10 year window of, you know, either a game releasing or, you know, a book and, you know, dropping that um, to catch in on the wave. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something like you said, not for me and I probably will never see it, but wow, 80 million. That's a surprise. And one other interesting fact too, um, with this, because it did break some records. It has the highest, um, opening day gross for a video game movie so if you guys are like me and you hear the record scratch and you're like well wait a minute super mario brothers like killed it uh when it opened up how how did this beat that super mario brothers opened on a wednesday and if you're just looking at the opening day uh this five nights at freddy's actually beat out super mario brothers by like 10 million or something like that which is wild. Now, if you look at the opening weekend, it's no comparison. Super Mario Brothers right. blows it out of the water, but just on opening day alone, single day, uh, it does manage to claim that that uh, victory. So, kind of interesting there. Uh, all right, well, let's move on to some other news. There was an explosive uh, report that dropped on Variety today. So, only the hottest, freshest news for you guys. And uh, this was art- from hands, by the way. So <laughs> I, got, I got it by word of mouth from you because I was busy working. <laughs> um, I was working but, too. Uh, Thank you. Saw the lunch. <laughs> working, working for the pod. I like it. Yeah. Um, no, but this uh, this variety variety article was uh, pertaining to the MCU, which has kind of been a, a hot topic um, just in general recently, and. There were a lot of different topics um, broached within this article. Um, the first thing is kind of the Jonathan Majors problem and what to do mm. about Kang. Because here, Marvel had centered Kang and woven Kang into uh, various threads of movies and TV shows. And he was basically set up to be the next big unifying villain a la thanos um with a double movie a double avengers movie capper which would be uh kang dynasty and secret wars or secret wars and kang dynasty whatever the order is um and then jonathan majors got in trouble uh some domestic abuse charges um and then more domestic abuse charges popped up uh apparently that occurred while he was filming um, Loki season two in London. Um, so not looking great for him. Uh, interestingly, his his um, original talent agency, CAA, and I, I didn't find this out until I saw the article. CAA actually dropped him for, quote, brutal conduct yeah. to some of its associates. And that was pre his arrest. So innocent until proven guilty we don't know anything but things are starting to pile up against him so it's it ain't looking good uh now one of the things the article mentioned was that marvel studios was considering pivoting to a different villain and who could they use uh dr doom's name was mentioned um my thoughts on this situation number one i if you're going to use dr doom i want to see him built up appropriately and i don't feel like just doing a bait and switch would work here um and certainly not for the way that they've built up this villain anyway uh this villain being kang marvel 
please get your heads out of your butts. And if you really need to move <laughs> off of Jonathan Majors, please just recast. You had no problem recasting uh, Edward Norton. You had no problem recasting Terrence Howard. Uh, make it happen. Like, just recast. Um, I just, you know, they, they were very hesitant with Chadwick Boseman. And I've mentioned it before where I personally, I mean, I don't know Chadwick Boseman, but I feel like the character, he understood the importance of the character of T'Challa. And I feel like he would say, please go ahead and recast because this character means too much. Marvel Studios did not go that route in in deference to him, um, uh, to Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal of the character. They didn't want someone else stepping in the shoes. They feel it would be too overwhelming for them. So they just decided right. not to recast and, you know, leave the character as, uh, or end the character's arc. So I, I think that would be a mistake with Kang. And Kang is in a unique situation where he is a character that has variants of himself all across time and the multiverse and space. So like, it's okay if one of them looks different, like just recast. Yeah. <laughs> there are plenty of amazing black actors and, um, you know, <clears throat> Jonathan majors is a phenomenal actor. Can't take anything away from, from his talent. But, um, if, if, if he's going to bring a negative spotlight or, or Marvel studios feels they need to move on, please just recast. You don't need to divert your plans and make some wonky thing and screw up all these plans that were in place and scripts, which, you know, already are having problems with quality control. Like let's stay, stay the route and just get somebody new for this role. Um, what are your thoughts on Kang and villain switcheroos and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it it's something where I mean, you know, from coming from your perspective of you know the nerd world and uh, how how they could handle it, and I say nerd world is just reading Marvel comics for for at a young age. Um, yeah, there there's different elements that they can go to, uh, like you said, for just recasting if they want to. I just wonder if they're worried that like it'll be such a shadow cast on that character as well that they just want to totally avoid that. I mean, it is, it is Disney we're talking about here in regards to that. So the, the Dr. Doom thing to me makes perfect sense as the next big villain, I guess. I mean, I know there's Magneto and X-Men you could, you could maybe do as well if you wanted to like the X-Men and the fantastic four, are the next two big things to me where you're kind of looking to hit a home run um, as far as, you know, and I trust their casting um, in regards to that. And I know there also was a story too. I don't even, I don't know if we had it written down on a rundown where like Mahershal Ali was like, I'm out of here uh, yeah. when it came to the script for With Blade, uh, Blade. The troubled which, Blade. Yeah, he's going to be 60 by the time the movie comes out. I, I joke, but he's, you know, that if you look at when, and I always love to joke about it, but when you look at when Blade was announced and what day it is today, uh, it's been a long time. So yeah. there's definitely a lot of things where I feel as though Disney slash Marvel is doing these stories or when you read them, there is like they talked about, but they haven't decided or they haven't planned to do anything, but there was internal discussions. And I feel like this stuff is getting leaked to kind of get ahead of it or to like throw out things to see what the reaction is going to be. 
um, in regards to like, like you just voiced your opinion on, you know, Hey, what do we do with Kang? So it's, it's pretty wild uh, in regards to that um, of just how much trouble uh, like we're getting this stuff of like how much trouble they're actually in. Um, And that, that part to me is kind of scary. Now, listen, I I would never bet against Disney uh, to write the ship and to get back out there. And like I said, hit some home runs, but yeah, I mean, as far as what they want to do with the villain, I mean, I uh, I noticed there was a uh, second half of Loki uh, trailer that dropped uh, the other day or after, I guess, the latest episode. And uh, I thought that was pretty bizarre um, to drop a like coming like remaining in Loki. So uh, and I, I did hear that Kang has a big role uh, to come up at the end of Loki. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, I guess they divert or change from that perspective. Um, we'll see, uh, in regards to that. Hmm. I just, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's an easy answer staring them right in the face. And yeah, so the, you know what, I'll, I'll get more into Disney and quality control in a bit. Cause there's some other stuff we, we want to touch on, but, um, as far as this article goes, Another one of the things, well, you know what, let's just get into the Disney thing now. So another one of the items mentioned in the uh, the article is something that, you know, people have been discussing for quite a while now, which is yeah. too much content, uh, just a content overload that uh, at least, you know, in, in my eyes, and I am, you know, one of the staunchest comic book movie guys and superhero movie guys, there has been some fatigue for this genre just because you're overloading us, things are not as special. You know, if you got to see it once or twice a year, even that can kind of, even that rate can kind of stretch For things. Sure. But, you know, having two or three movies a year and then two two Disney Plus shows on top of it and then maybe a special or like a series of shorts, it's like, dude, I don't, I don't need all that. <laughs> like, I love this, but it's losing its luster because of it. And I think, a lot of that is Disney pushing and I'm not going to throw it all on Disney, but I feel like the majority of it is because Disney owns Marvel. Disney is the yeah. one um, who are beholden to shareholders and out to make a buck. You know, Marvel yep. is an IP. And so they're going to say, Hey, how do we monotonize this as best as we can or monetize? I'm sorry, not monotonized, monetize. How can we monetize this as best as possible, which is, hey, let's churn out everything we can. Uh, That ain't working anymore. You're losing the charm of it. And I thought they would have learned this lesson from Lucasfilm. Uh, Although Lucasfilm, I would say Lucasfilm had issues not only with that, but also the quality of the product, which Marvel is starting to see. But yeah, too much content and and causing fatigue is definitely a thing. and. I don't know. Yeah, do you agree? I think we've discussed this yeah. probably in the past. But. I was going to say yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is the drum I beat when it comes to this stuff. Mm. Um and I uh I'm not has or shy, I should say, to uh kick them while they're down. Um in regards <laughs> to that. So, uh there's nothing more I like than than jumping up on top of uh Marvel as as they continue to put out subpar content and be like, "I told you so. Look at them. Look at them go with their <laughs> subpar Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just, listen, 
my my hope i like i go and i'll go into the marvels in in a in a week or so and i hope they hit it out of the park i hope it's a lot more fun than i'm expecting uh but we'll see we'll see uh yep so another thing that i found interesting from the article they talk about budgets um specifically um the marvels the new movie yeah, coming yeah. out had a budget of 250 million which I don't know how you're setting yourself up for success with that because, yeah, Marvel movies tend to do gangbuster numbers. But when you're talking a quarter of a bill for your budget, that's insane. Uh, Quantumania uh, from February, 200 million budget. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like, and especially when you see uh, these movies getting raked over the coals for their VFX stuff, which we'll get to in a minute. But they're even with all of this money, they still get rushed, and sometimes the product is inferior or not as good as it can be. And another thing mentioned going back to Blade in the article is like the the most recent plan for Blade is to do it as like a hundred million dollar feature. I am all about that. Yeah. Why are we not doing things practical? Well, all right. I know why we're not doing practical effects, which is time crunch, but like, come on, let's go rein those budgets in, allow for more creative freedom and like, let's have at it. Like get back that magic and that quality, man. Yeah. It's almost funny because I almost feel like the tide is turning a little bit in the ways of like the DCU, the DCEU or the, the Mm. ending of that. And just like making the Batman. And it's like, this is a Batman story that's more of like uh, a crime noir and a different take on Batman, a little bit more gritty. Like, whether you like it or not, it's a different one. The Joker, similar example, where it's like, hey, this doesn't have to do with, you know, the Joker in that, you know, our series. So and and that that for me is something where it's like, listen, I don't need an Iron Man where, you know, we focus maybe more on the adventures of Iron Man or his biggest villain in regard like we've done that like i don't need a more serious version or you know a christopher nolan type you know iron like but there there's ways if they're introducing new characters to go a little bit more of uh a sustainable a sustainable approach as you mentioned and have it be something that isn't as visual effects heavy or you know as flashy you know and even like with the marvels i mean 250 million I mean, I hope I see that in this movie and it's not just, you know, all a CGI fest, which it probably will be. So, mm. you know, and I, I, there, it's a fine line. I'm not, I'm not saying this is easy. You know, they had the Netflix Daredevil show and, and the Netflix style, you know, grounded shows that they wanted to do with with the Punisher. Looks great, and, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, for some, maybe that wasn't like their cup of tea. Um, you know, one of them being kind of me. Um but like, I think there's a way to kind of meet in the middle, you know, and, you know, there, there's a history with blade. We've already had a blade, you know, and I think it was more of an R rated blade. Uh, so let's, let's see what they end up doing with that. So, um, and you know, the X-Men, Hey, maybe they go a little darker with that. You know, maybe that's an easy story and maybe a movie like uh fantastic four, they go a little bit more prestige or a little, you know, higher, you know, end um, for that. So, I just let's mm. let's do something different, and I'm I'm glad they're finally realizing that as we, as we've discussed uh, before. So a lot of this, it's very interesting because a lot of this is actually detailed in 
um, this fantastic book that I am currently reading, which is MCU, the reign of Marvel studios by Joanna Robinson. Uh, amazing book. I'm not quite finished. I'm almost towards the end, but highly, highly recommend you guys pick it up or give it a listen. Um, it is a very fascinating look at uh, even pre-Marvel Studios, um, where it was, you know, this trying to get Marvel properties on the screen. It doesn't go super into it, but it, it talks a little bit about, you know, the, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, the, the whole Spider-Man fiasco, like up until Marvel Studios. And then it goes into all of that and like up to present day. And um you know, some of the issues that are mentioned, which, you know, the variety issue talks about also is the just the whole mess that is VFX and the production time, tight turnaround times and quality control. So one interesting thing that I found with the VFX from the book is that um, initially, you know, things were much more practical. Part of that was the VFX still burgeoning. It wasn't, the effects weren't where they yeah. are today, but also uh, with the nature of the films. So Iron Man had a fairly different uh, final fight scene uh, in the original version of the movie. And then what they found was that they can actually use existing footage and kind of Frankenstein it together with, some all digital effects to completely reshoot the ending and, and rejigger hmm. it. And so Marvel learned that. And then they started applying that more and more to other films where it's like, you know, the joke is, Hey, we'll fix it in post, but yeah. that's like their credo. That, that was and, their Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even mentioned in the article. Someone is quoted as basically saying, you know, Feige learning to land the plane with, foam on the the runway or whatever so hey look we're gonna crash but um we'll do it as softly as possible so like this is the thing and then with technology burgeoning they've since been able to get full digital scans of characters and actors where they can just completely reproduce those people without them needing to be there um and so you have complete digital recreations uh or recreations without um you know, the, the viewer being able to tell for the most part. And then you just have uh, the actor come in and do some ADR or whatever. Um, so that also has kind of contributed to, um, Hey, let's, let's not focus so much on um, getting the story right the first time around. Cause we can just, again, fix it in post. It's also led to, these insane working conditions and crunch times for the VFX artists because they will start to animate things one way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Hey, no, we're going to go this route. Give me five different versions of this and we'll choose what looks best. And that's all on top of the system of, of the way these VFX companies are hired, which basically they offer a quote to Marvel Studios with, hey, we can do this this work that you have envisioned in X amount of time for X dollars, um, hire us. And then Marvel will do bidding work against different studios. Now, Marvel, I, I should add, Marvel has a bunch of studios on retainer. So that way 
you know, they can kind of take their pick from among dozens. But the problem with this system is the stu- the VFX studios will provide a quote and then Marvel will come in and say, oh, no, we want this change. We want this change, particularly last minute. And the quote that the VFX studio provided does not factor in all the extra man hours and work that that is going to cost. Yeah, so they're doing tough. all this additional work for free and putting these terrible working conditions. Yeah. And that's why we have the VFX artists striking back, which is it's great. Like, they, yeah. they deserve better. You have a goal and you're getting ready to clock out at the end of the month and you've reached your goal. And then all of a sudden at the last day, it's thrown on you that you need to completely re-envision the goal that you just took a month to complete. And it needs to be done in a week or whatever it probably is. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's wild. It is. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. So Marvel Studios already were notorious for kind of playing with things and tinkering up until the end uh, prior to release. And now it's just more and more amped up. And that's why things are looking shoddier and shoddier and not for nothing. But this has also caused some studios to go bankrupt. Um, They just they go out of business because they're spending all of this extra money uh, that they're not recouping. They they quoted a certain price. They get yeah, that work done it. within that price. Yeah. Uh, so kind of wild and and kind of um, villainous, if you will. But things have got to change, and I, I hope they change for the better because there's definitely there's there's humans at the end of this, you know. Yeah. Just... Um. Another big uh, thing that came down the pike was Marvel Studios were looking at potentially making another Avengers movie with the original Avengers, uh, which is interesting because Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man and uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow are both dead canonically. So I guess they could do some that portal shenanigans. Yeah. Or they could do a, a movie set within a different time frame, although continuity is kind of strung out as it is. Um, one thing I will note though, uh, for those that follow some kind of um, spoilery accounts uh, or scoops accounts online, um, some of this is not news. The Scarlett Johansson thing is news, but Robert Downey Jr. um, has long been rumored to be in uh, Kang Dynasty, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. They're basically throwing everybody from all of the universes, including the Fox movies, the Sony movies, like there's going to be appearances from everybody. I, I don't think I've heard anything from the Ang Lee Hulk, <laughs> but that's no. also owned by Universal. Um, but everything else, I think, is is fair In game. Play. I wouldn't be shocked if we get like a Nick Cage Ghost Rider uh, for that matter. So I don't know. Um, but Robert Downey Jr. That wasn't a surprise. But the the Scarlet Witch thing, uh, or Scar- I'm sorry, Scarlet Johansson, not Scarlet Witch. Too many Scarlets. Um, that was a bit of a shocker. Uh, it, and it did come with the caveat that, hey, if we get these guys back, um, it's going to cost us. So uh, what are your thoughts on this? Do you want to see this? Would you do you not want to see them together at all? Would you like to see them kind of fighting the war in, in one of right. the two Kang movies? Or do you just want uh, an OG six Avengers movie again? Hmm. Definitely, definitely not the last one. Um, I feel like yeah, we would fair. just be 
like I don't know. There, there, it almost has, and it, it's so weird because it's such a short time span. But it has that kind of Indiana Jones dial of destiny feel, where it's like, oh, we're, mm. we're back again. I thought we like said goodbye. Do you know? You know what I mean? And you know, we talk about uh, episode what is it nine of Star Wars when you know there's a, a missile shot at a at a ship and it takes out you know a substantial character from the original series. And then that's just like wiped away a second later. And it's like, I actually wasn't on that plane. Um, yeah. And it kind of, it kind of diminishes the feeling that you feel when that happens. And I'm a big, I'm a big, big, big believer in watching a movie, watching a television show and something happens. And it's not just because we didn't tell you it's built up to it. Um, or it's, it's thrown at you as a wild card and you're like, they did what? Um, you know, think of game of Thrones, you know, season one, uh episode nine or you know the red wedding and stuff like that of just earned earned moments of, of chaos and so i i would feel as though everything that happened even if it was like oh it's a separate world or whatever it is it's like okay we just signed a check and here we are sure you know like mm-hmm. I, if i'm if i'm robert downey jr you know oh i can set up my grandkids for the rest of my life sure i'm in um sign me up yeah. uh I also listen. I mean, bringing them back, like there, there is a bit of jumping the shark here to me in the feel of Kang Dynasty. I mean, I'm sure for people such as yourself um, or other fans would jump at joy at seeing some characters come back and be like, "Yes, uh, Chris Evans would have a lot of work to do if he's playing the Torch and Captain America in in this scenario." <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll digital digitalize him in for one of them. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure Unless there's some other Michael actors. Michael B. Jordan torch. Yeah, there you go. Oh, dude, I love <laughs> Good that. Good luck. They're not touching I'm that, in. dude. <laughs> you just, you just got me in. You just got me in. So it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I let let sleeping dogs lie. You know, let's. Hmm. You know, my big thing is is in that you know I talk about it. You know, even with some of the Star Wars stuff and, and Vader, and it's like, can we just get the new villain? You know, that we're supposed hmm. to appreciate um, or work on that or develop that some more. Um, and listen, I know when you talk about, you know, certain characters, there is an aura to them where it's like, it's almost impeachable. Um, and it's just like, there's, there's ways to, to do this, um, and have successful villains and have successful story arcs. So no, no return for me. I'm anti-return. I'm very torn on this because, um, part of me says, let them stay dead. Um, I think that the endings to their arcs were so well done. And if even if you turn to the comics, it's funny because there was um, there was an old adage uh, where it was like <laughs> the only two characters that stay dead are uh, Uncle Ben and Bucky. And right. sure enough, yeah. 80, 90 years later, <laughs> they bring back Bucky. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's how long they went with leaving bucky dead and and uncle ben has not returned but uh you know here we are with marvel where these characters just died you know four years ago and they're already leaping to bring them back because it's dollar signs right yeah so like part of me just says no like we said our goodbyes leave them but then (laughs) but then um i'm also of the mind that we didn't get to see as much as these of these characters as I wanted because like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like I'm sure if you look at the totals with, uh, 
um, Downey Jr. as Iron Man. He probably has a dozen movies, um, a dozen MCU movies as that character, which might seem like a lot, but um, that character has, you know, 60, 70 years of history and stories. And it's like, in the long run, we I feel like we were kind of shortchanged where we didn't get those characters. They ended, yeah. you know, him and Rogers prematurely, um, which whatever. I mean, there's there's other stuff that goes into that, which, you know, is like uh, contracts and budgets and all that as well. But I would like to see them back. And there is a precedent for it. There was a Kang story called Avengers Forever, where a team of Avengers the characters were all plucked from different points in the Avengers history. So it's like, yeah, if you're going to include that, yeah, you could pick Tony Stark from a moment before he's dead and, you know, plop him in. He does this deal and then he goes back and lives out his right. life and dies, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I I'm torn. I, there's, there's the fan in me, but there's also like the, you know, they, they did good in ending them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's cinematic guy in me. <laughs> there is a little bit of a purist in me that like, I, I don't have that relation with the comics. Like you said, where it's like, right. Hey, everybody comes back. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's just, I wish, I wish if everybody was coming back or even some were coming back, it wasn't like, Hey, you know, Tony Stark's now blonde and his suit has is orange instead of red. Do you know what I mean? Of just like, I'd yeah. rather have a different performance of Tony um in gotcha. a way so there's definitely an element where it's like i i think i would be on board if it was like hey cap's coming back but it's a much darker sinister cap who like you know actually isn't captain america he's captain whatever um or even yeah. it's like hey maybe he's not oh you know but i know that might taint the actual character of it like you mentioned with like hey uncle ben dies so like you know peter has to become you know with great power you know comes great responsibility but I think th those stuff interests me more than it's just like, oh, Chris Evans is returning for another four movies. And it's like, OK, like, well, I don't know. Like, will I enjoy it? Yes. But there's I don't know. It's it's such a hard thing. It's such a hard thing to, to quantify. No, so. for, for sure. One final thing I'll add, which they they made brief mention of it in the article. You had already mentioned it. But, you know, Marvel Studios now or has had the rights um, through the acquisition of Fox with x-men fantastic four like those are things coming down the pike for the mcu um not immediate term but you know within the next decade or so um fantastic four within the next couple of years for sure Be 45 um, i look forward to it <laughs> yes so i would say you know it's it's definitely premature to to take away from this article that it's all doom and gloom and like the, the bells are tolling for Marvel studios, like far from, but they do need to make some changes to make this more sustainable, whether it's, you know, um, continuing fan interest, increasing quality control, like, yeah. you know, dialing back on the, the amount of content and allowing time for, um, you know, creative expression and actual, quality output from like vfx like all of this stuff it's all it it's all trickling down from the top where it's like hey we got to push 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 to get all this content out and that's impacting all of these different fronts yeah. so i don't know just like take it back to the initial stages of the mcu where it's like you know almost kind of like learning to walk again um hmm. let's get yeah. back to there and like get that quality fair enough all right. You guys superheroed out yet? 
um, there is Marvel's releases November second. <laughs> yes, there's one other thing non Marvel related I want to discuss before we get into our main topic, but that is um, the actor strike, which is still ongoing, and um, president I believe of of SAG AFTRA. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she's president. Uh, Fran Drescher. Um, really interesting thing popped up with her in the news recently, which you know she is in the boardrooms on um in these discussion meetings for you know getting the uh meeting in the middle i guess um with the actors demands <laughs> and uh uh she had a, a quote recently because apparently at one of the recent sit downs she brought in a heart-shaped plush doll took it out from her purse put it on the middle of the table which i absolutely love um for the negotiations and uh, you know, a few different media outlets asked her, well, what, you know, what's the deal with that? Like, you know, isn't this serious, whatever. And her quote was, I don't need to emulate male energy to be an effective leader. And boy, I just absolutely love this. Like, it it really warms my heart because absolutely true. Like, I am sure the vast majority of these big time players are um, males. Uh, yeah, I don't. Like the only huge name in as far as like female power goes, um, you got Kathleen Kennedy and before that, like Amy Pascal at Sony. Yeah. Um, and it's just like there's there's not a lot of high level female execs out there. So for Fran Drescher to come in and just like whip that plushie out and throw it down on the table, big plushie energy. Absolutely love that, dude. Like power to you, Fran. Get him. By all means, yes. If woman power, let's go. I love that. Couldn't agree more. Thoughts? <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Listen, yeah, <laughs> we don't have to follow you know certain rules um, that are that are aligned by uh, you know for many years uh, white men. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, all for it. Get them, Fran, and hopefully, hopefully, these studios will pull their heads out of their butts and uh, we'll get the strike ended soon. Fingers get crossed. All right. Well, that's enough of the news segment. I know our boy, RIP F's in the chat, uh, was not here for it. We miss him, but uh, every day him proud. Yeah, I don't know so, if we did him proud. He'll probably have some notes. He is award winning. <laughs> he's an he's a premier news reporter, and we just tried to do our best. Honestly, um, yeah, I don't think it, we lived up to it, but you know. We try. He's we just have to out get on out special here and try. assignment right now. <laughs> yeah, we just have to try. Deep undercover. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to our main topic here. And uh, we recently had the Philadelphia Film Festival. Ooh, Very ooh. exciting. Yeah, um, I attended my first one last year with you, Hare, and some you others, did. some of our close buds. And it rolled around this year in October and you got to see many movies. So I would love to hear your thoughts on what you saw and, you know, give us, give us the buzz. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, this is, I believe it was the 32nd annual Philadelphia film festival. I probably maybe attended 10. I've, so I've probably been since like 20 seconds. I didn't realize you've been going. Um, I, I would say, you know, there might be a couple of years in there where I just missed or it was one of those things, you know, where I went the first year or two and was like, this is a lot of fun and then skipped a couple um, or maybe only mm-hmm. saw one or two movies. 
there's definitely an element. And when I talk about some of the films, it's like, oh, that comes out like next month. So like, you know, sure. uh, I always just like to do it because it crosses one thing off the list as a movie lover where, you know, all of a sudden it's Thanksgiving and it's like, oh, this is out. This is out. This is out. And it's like I've seen two of the three uh, to just kind of not have to worry about, you know, jam packing things in. Um, as you mentioned last year, you were able to be there for it this year. Not so much sickness, uh, just, you know, events. It's always such a weird time um, because it feels like when I always see it announced every year that it's, you know, this year was the 19th, uh, which was a Thursday until the 29th of October, which was a Sunday. It runs for usually 10 days and usually they have about 100 films, or if not more. Um, or at least a hundred shows that they're at least playing, you know, sometimes multiple shows of, of, of a movie. And uh, I never feel like anything's going on. And then all of a sudden the Phillies are in the playoffs. Eagles games are going on. Halloween events and parties are going on that either you have to choose to go to or not go to. Um, and it just becomes a difficult well, challenge to navigate. Go ahead. Well, correct me if I'm wrong too, but like, didn't, didn't isn't like every year they're kind of pushing that release date for the or i guess the schedule for the festival like further and further like so like last year i feel like yeah. it was either the very beginning of october or like late september right yeah it kind of comes in that october ish window you know either the second week to the third week but usually it always has kind of a crossover near halloween um or just about like near it yeah but i mean when they actually release what is going oh yeah to be, what's going to be yeah, playing yeah, yeah. yeah that's gotten later and later but they always announce the dates of when they will be playing the the mm -hmm. difficult part i find is is that a lot of movies seem to be coming out uh like to watch uh pretty close to that date mm -hmm. um and this year I, I i honestly i i don't know you were talking a little bit about uh our girl fran and you know her fight and I noticed this year there wasn't a lot of, you know, actors and it it, mm -hmm. only, it took until like almost the day before the festival where I was like, oh, yeah, like there's a strike. So strike. like there, there yeah. probably isn't a, an ability if it's somebody's first movie for them to be able to come out to it or and I know that doesn't sure. count for directors, but, you know, at certain levels, they're not, you know, as much as I love the Philadelphia Film Festival, it's not the premier festival of the United States uh, right. in regards right. to that. So there's a lot of others, but, you know, it. it out of those, you know, large festivals like Cannes, uh, Berlin, um, Sundance, Toronto. you know, Toronto, all those things, they kind of filters on down towards to us, you know, and we kind of get like the the big highlights from a lot of them. Um, so, yes, but yeah, the release through about to your original point, the release window for, you know, usually we have maybe about a week, if not heads up on regards to what's out and what show times they are. So it does be kind of become a puzzle of trying to get the most out of it while also trying not to break the wallet while also trying to see, you know, make decisions because, you know, festivals I'm gonna make this work. <laughs> yeah. Festivals for me are like, I like to see some big temple things as you'll see, but I like to take some chances yeah. on some things. I like to try and see, you know, Hey, what did this, you know, what was this winning at can or, you know, why was this selected for can and, you know, who is this director and Oh, Oh, they did this movie. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of times over the years where I was surprised where, you know, I've missed something and it was like, I've chatted with another friend and they're like, Hey, that was at the festival. And it's like, dude, I wish I would have saw this. Um, so like I said, it's a great time to catch the movies. And I try to carve it out as a time to see a bunch of movies because there's a lot of times as life just finds a way where, you know, you won't have that time. Um, and I, I won't have as much time for next year's festival when, when April rolls around and I become a father, but, uh, you know, mm. I'll, I'll try to make uh, as many days work as I can, but 
you know, sometimes watching three or four movies in one day is the, is the way to go about it. So. Yeah. Well, I, you had alluded to, you know, me and my, my schedule. And, uh, last year, I believe I saw five movies with you and this year I was aiming to make it six. I bought tickets for six and then I had one event get rained out and then rescheduled for the first day that I had a ticket. So there goes that show. And then I was able to make it to the second movie. And then we had four planned for another day and I got sick and I didn't want to get you guys sick and I was tired. So nailed on those. So all that money, Hey, donation to the film society. It is what it is. But honestly, I was really bummed on missing out on the content. So, well, hey, let's let's run through some of it then, and I'll yeah, uh, you can yeah, give me excited your, to hear. You can give me your insight on if uh, if you if you're interested or uh, maybe not interested. And uh, listen, audience at home, uh, play along, or if you're in your car, play along a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm basically going to run through my schedule as far as what I saw. I was thinking about grouping these up to like kind of make a little bit of sense thematically uh, in regards to that, but then I was just like, you know what? Let me just read them off as uh, the way I saw them. Um, so the first movie I saw, I took a half day at work because I said it's first day of the festival for me. So it was a it was opening night Friday. Go opening, big. <laughs> yeah, or I guess the opening weekend Friday. Uh, and I saw Three Musketeers D'Artagnan. And this uh, movie is uh, about basically uh, D'Artagnan arrives in Paris trying to find his attackers after being left for dead, which leads him to a real war where the future of France is at stake. He aligns himself with Athos, Porthos, and Aramis the three musketeers uh, of the king. Um, this movie uh, is probably produced. The way to describe this is that this was produced by, this is not a usual festival film. Um, I would say, but it's, it's a Hollywood type of movie from France. Um, and it's, uh, it's like a pirates of the Caribbean movie uh, to be honest with you. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's an action adventure. Uh, listen, we all know the story of the three musketeers, or we have an idea of the three musketeers, uh, and and D'Artagnan, um, and this movie stars, you know, it kind of has a lot of French stars, Vincent Cassell, Eva Green, Vicky Crepes, uh, and just absolute fun time. Sometimes it doesn't have to be hard, and I found the plot to be very easy to follow. Uh, it's about two hours long. Uh, it was just kind of a swashbuckling uh, joyride. Uh, it had some really cool action. Um, I was, I was sad that, uh, I didn't try to convince more of you guys to come out to see this. Uh, I also will say, I didn't realize it was, uh, two parts. It kind of pulled a dune on mm. me and it starts out by, and it was advertised by the festival as three musketeers, D'Artagnan. Uh, and then as soon as that title card comes up, it says three musketeers, D'Artagnan part one, um, which, D'Artagnan which, will return in Avengers yeah, Infinity War, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, I honestly, I got to be honest, I don't know where this is going to end up dropping. I, I saw through IMDb that it's 12-8, that it's going to be limited. Um, so maybe it might hmm. be some holiday flick that you can catch at your independent cinema. I don't see this getting a wide release. Um, but, you know, maybe it'll be on something like, like uh, hmm. sorry, like Netflix that'll drop it or Amazon maybe. Uh, ton of fun, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm, I'm probably a little higher on it than it actually is. I, I rated it 3.75 stars out of 5. I just uh, I was taken aback by it. I really enjoyed it. It was kind of a great opener to the festival, and it was just kind of simple action uh, adventure fun that uh, I was kind of just like, "This is great." Uh, 
to be honest. So uh, any thoughts on the Three Musketeers, D'Artagnan? Is that going to be something you're going to try and uh, seek out, Papa? Yeah, so based on your review, I absolutely would. A um, couple reasons. Number one, uh, it seems like there's there's a few stories that constantly get remade within Hollywood. You got Dracula, you got Swiss yeah. Family Robinson, and then there's the Three Musketeers. Like, there's always some iteration of those movies going on. And despite being so oft made, um, I've never actually seen an adaptation of Three Musketeers. I, I'm familiar with a couple of them, but I've never seen them. Um, so this sounds like it would be a lot of fun and right up my alley. Uh, the only frame of reference I have for French Hollywood type action movies is uh, a movie I recently rewatched, which is Le Pac de Loup or uh, mm. Brotherhood of the Wolf. Really love that movie. Um, and it sounds like, you know, this this might have less martial arts in it, but uh, sounds like very, like you said, you know, Hollywood action um, swashbuckling type thing. So yeah. I'm all about it. If I see this drop, I will absolutely um, stream it. If it is um, available to rent, depending on price point, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, listen, I hope it gets a probably hope it'll get a free streaming service. And like I said, it's just a mm -hmm. fun, simple thrill ride, you know, with with we talk about a lot with the, the Marvel's Avengers and we talk about a lot of other stuff. It, it just kind of becomes convoluted. And have you caught this? Have you watched this? And, you know, whether you know nothing about the Three Musketeers, it's a it's a pretty simple uh, story to follow. Um, and I'm right. sorry, you don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to throw you for a loop, and you don't need to look it up. But did no, you, do you happen to know if the second part, like yeah, when that so, drops, or yeah, it's called Three Musketeers, Me Lady, um, and it's uh, it's supposed to drop <laughs> this year because uh, I believe when so when I said the the release date, twenty three. Yeah, so that's what it's listed on IMDb. So the D'Artagnan uh, um, is they must twelve have eight them limited. Back back. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, okay. that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be, that was already out in France in like March, but it like is doing okay. festivals or popping her up on things. And it's apparently 12, eight limited United States, which basically says to me, it'll get a small run. Um, yeah. and I would imagine maybe the other one releases in France as like, probably maybe they're, you know, around Christmas movie I could e easily see, um, or something gotcha. like the holiday season okay. movie. Um, it's got kind of that big, but like our Aquaman, pretty much. Um, God. and that's what I mean. It's like, if you, <laughs> like, <you> dare. <laughs> honestly, I'd rather watch me the three Musketeers, me lady and, and finish the 100%. story of that. So, um, but yeah, the other one should be coming and I don't know how I'm going to watch that. I hope it, I don't have to wait till the next Philadelphia <laughs> film fest. Hopefully it's streaming somewhere. Um, Fair. also got a bone to pick with Netflix. There's so many times they just drop stuff on there and then all of a sudden I'll go over a tweet. Or I'll look through something and it'll be an ad for a show that I absolutely love and they've dropped a new season. Or they dropped this movie that I heard was interesting. Um, yeah, Netflix just dropping stuff all the time. I, I, I don't love Dude, it. Dude, it's so weird because I get, I get like emails from them with like, oh, here's something you might be interested in. Right, Nine exactly. times out of ten, it is nothing I'm interested in. <laughs> and then when I actually pop in there, I'm like, Oh, they added this. Oh, there's yeah. a new season of that. It's like, why yeah. isn't that email coming? This to me? 1990s crime thriller. It's like, dude, I'm all in. So yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So one of the big one of the big movies at the uh, festival um, was uh, was Dream Scenario. This, mm. I believe, is A24's uh, 
one of A24's movies, so you know the pedigree there. Uh, it stars mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's about um, the movie's about a hapless family man finds his life turned upside down when millions of strangers suddenly start seeing him in their dreams. When the night, when his nighttime appearances take a nightmarish turn, Paul's forced to narrow, navigate his newfound stardom. Uh, so, as I mentioned, the stars Nicolas Cage. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Greg, for this, but I'll elaborate a little bit more. But this was a really good crowd. Uh, a lot of characters uh, similar to our Weird Al Yankovic kind of uh, viewing of, of last year, where just the audience was was really up for this one. Um, couldn't stop laughing. A little bit too many as uh, as we talked, uh, as I talked with the majority of my friends throughout mm-hmm. the whole festival about um, the award goes to for best uh, laugh uh, in the audience. Um, that seemed to make an appearance constantly. Um, but this one had really good energy around it, and the movie is really, I, I guess I would say, don't be afraid to laugh in this one. It, it does, I could see this falling kind of dead on, you know, a home viewing or kind of a, you know, a, a, a watch where it's you and eight other people in the theater, and you're like, I didn't get the humor. Um, but this is supposed to be a little bit zany, a little bit out there. Um, and it's kind of, and it's a great Nicolas Cage uh, part, I gotta be honest. Uh, he does. He's he kind of obviously carries the movie throughout. Um, but it's this interesting take on you know he people see him in his dreams, but it's kind of like the way uh, you know people become so internet famous so quickly and, and that rise and how you know one little thing can make it uh, go negatively. Um, so there was a lot of interesting things with that and influence culture and all that stuff. So uh, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I gave it four point two five stars. Uh, like I said, maybe on a, on a different viewing, I could, this would be like a three and a half, um, and just being like, Hey, you know, the energy level wasn't there, but yeah, don't be afraid to laugh. Enjoy this one. Let your guard down. Um, you know, maybe, maybe have, uh, you know, if it's, if it's more of a streaming movie for you, maybe, maybe have a couple drinks before, you know, you go see it just to loosen yourself up a little bit and let yourself be taken by the movie. So, uh, I think dream scenario is on your list, Greg, but I don't think it, it worked out as far as you being able to go. Correct. Yeah, correct. Um, it was just one that I, I unfortunately couldn't make. Um, question for you though, before I get into, I guess my thoughts on it. Um, yeah. Did they, did they make any mention of this being based on a true story or based on like a, a viral thing? Are you familiar not, with this? No, not not that I'm aware of. Although I, I wouldn't say I dove too deep into it, because um, I thought it was just a unique uh, a twenty four. You know what I mean? They usually have weird yeah. weird stuff. So this is like an urban legend thing. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like if you go to Snopes dot com, like they debunked it. Yeah, but like right. there there was a thing floating on the internet for years, and I'm sure if you Google it, you can still see it, where it says, "Have you seen this man?" and then it goes into a brief description how this guy has been showing up in everybody's dreams. And it's basically like the, it's just a headshot, but, and it's hand drawn, but the character looks like Nicholas Cage's character in the movie. So that's probably it. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Oh, let's do like a fictionalized version of this, like urban legend or whatever. Um, just curious if they alluded to it, but, uh, but yeah, this movie, so I just recently saw the trailer for it within the last couple months, and I'm like, oh, this this looks like right up my alley. Like, this looks yeah. great. But, um, I mean, I, I wasn't too concerned because, like you said, it's A24, and, it, you know, they, they do quality. Um, 
but uh, sometimes these things aren't, ex- they don't always turn out the way that you hope. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very happy to hear you give it such praise and that it, it really hit it with you as well as uh, our other friends that saw it. So definitely going to go um, out of my way to check this out when it drops. Absolutely want to see it. Yeah. Nick Cage, like, you know, yeah, he, he does some crap, but um, he also really hits it out of the park in, in certain roles. So I'm happy to hear, you know, he, he turned in a, a solid one yeah. here. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but this one comes out uh, uh, November 22nd. So this month, um, probably towards the Thanksgiving window. Don't know if it'll be limited and maybe expand. So just keep an eye out for that for when it comes out. Sure. Uh, Next movie uh, is a movie called Sleep. Um, This one's about a a young expectant wife must figure out how to stop her husband's nightmarish sleepwalking habits before he harms himself or his family. Um, This one's a a tight 90-minute kind of thriller uh, it's directed by Jason Yu, who um, the you know the, the the log line for this from the festival was he's uh, Bong Joon Ho's protege. Um, hmm. So it, it uh, it's it's a South Korean film. Uh, this is very much almost like a play. Uh, a lot of it takes place in the apartment. There's some other scenes that that jump away from the apartment, but the majority is is the main two actors, uh, the husband and the wife, uh, and as well as some side characters who live in the apartment building with them. Um, and uh, the the main character, the main woman's mother, uh, who also has a appearance every now and then in the in the film. Um, this uh, this I don't know when this is going to be released. Uh, this is um, it, it was released in September in Korea. It's been making kind of the rounds at the festivals um, from what I could find out. So I could easily see this kind of being a shutter type film. Um, you know, or something again, not to, you know, pile on Netflix, but could easily be dropped on, mm-hmm. on Netflix. It's, it's got all the horror thriller elements. There's a little bit of mystery to it. Uh, it does have some funny moments, you know, as anybody who's ever been in a relationship can relate to, uh, with certain things and especially with, you know, having a partner who might not be, uh, the best sleeper. Um, I'll raise my hand on this. Sorry, Jill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I would, I, Equated to a little bit Hitchcockian in the in the film style for it, um, and it really kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat and has a little bit of moments of of, of strong tension um, that I really enjoyed. Uh, this was I saw this at like ten o'clock on on the same day that I saw the other two. I gave it three and a three point two five stars. Um, you know, this I could easily see this leaning slightly higher if this is more of people's you know bag or genres. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a solid thriller. Um, that I would highly recommend, especially, you know, as spooky season just passed, uh, this one kind of fits right into that category. Uh, again, the movie is called Sleep. Hmm. So this one, um, you had kind of posited to me like, hey, you know, any interest in this? And because, um, yeah. you know, I'm a horror guy and I got to say it doesn't I mean, it sounded intriguing, I guess. But after your review of it, I don't think. Like there's some movies where when when I go to select a movie to watch, um, sometimes I have a clear idea where it's like, oh, I'm I, I've been meaning to rewatch this movie. Let me do that. Other nights, I'll just surf through every streaming service and be like, all right, what's what's on here? Like, what's yeah. good? Uh, you know, not I don't really have a, I'll game be in plan. a certain type of mood, but yeah, I don't have a game plan. And yeah. I feel like that's probably the only time I would watch something like this. Like, oh, yeah, that movie Harry mentioned from the festival. Yeah. Kind of looking for a horror suspense vibe tonight. Yeah, Maybe I'll give that a shot. Yeah. I don't 
I don't see myself like actively seeking this out per se, but um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's got enough of a decent premise to, to maybe warrant me taking a look, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that I would go out of my way. Yeah. I was sitting on the edge of my seat towards the end, so I uh, did a good mm. job that way. But, yeah, I don't think it's anything you have to go away um, out of your way for. Plus, it, I think it's going to be hard to see. Uh, next film I saw. Interesting uh, that you did this. Interesting that you did this on the same day with um, with the Nick Cage movie. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it was. Yeah. Dream scenario. Yeah. Dream scenario <laughs> yeah. and sleep. Uh, and actually, our yep. buddy Tim, our buddy Tim, uh, former uh, former guest uh, joined <laughs> us for that. And uh, he was happy that he was able to get down for those two. So nice. Uh, solid, solid choices. Um, all right. So the next movie uh, that I that I saw at the festival uh, is a movie called Fingernails. It's actually coming out uh, in two days. Uh, it's actually going to be on Apple. Uh, the movie's about a couple named Anna and Ryan have found true love, and it's proven by a controversial new technology. There's just one problem, as Anna still isn't sure. She, then she takes a position at a love-testing a love testing institute and meets Amir. Um, now, this one has a, a strong cast. Uh, Jesse Buckley plays Anna. Uh, Jeremy Allen White plays Ryan. And Riz Ahmed plays Amir. Um, this is also by a director named Christos Niku, uh, who is, who did this movie called apples from 2020. Uh, definitely a, a standout for me at a previous festival. Uh, it, it was during the pandemic year and it was actually about like a, a pandemic. It kind of, uh, messed with people's minds. Um, uh, very, very touching movie. Um, and, and, uh, job well done on that one. Um, so I was interested to see this. And as I mentioned, as some heavy hitters, um, this movie has a has a slow moving pace, but I really think it pays off with the relationship of the characters. It really takes its time, kind of spending it with with Anna mostly as as the as the lead, um, and kind of her uh, relationship. Um, I, I won't dance around at the controversial uh, technology because this is explained in, in the beginning of of how to how to find your true love is to take both of your fingernails and put them in, and if you score one hundred percent, that means you are. Uh, truly in love with each other. Um, don't they have like quarter machine machines at like you know bowling exactly. alleys like that? Exactly. <laughs> so it's just it's a, it's a it's an interesting um, kind of a little bit a little bit sci-fi from that element of just kind of a little futuristic take. Uh, it's a drama romance, um, and as I mentioned, I Je- Jesse Buckley for me is 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 a top-notch actress uh, or actor. Uh, she's, uh, she was in, I'm thinking of ending things, uh, the Netflix movie that released not too long ago, uh, also in men and a movie that I really love her in called wild Rose, uh, which I would highly suggest if you've never seen it. Um, but yeah, she's, she's wonderful in it. Riz Ahmed. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything I don't like. And, uh, yes, chef Jeremy Allen white, I think plays a, a smaller subdued role from his, from his chef days. Um, there's actually a funny way to look at this movie because you don't really see what Jeremy Allen White does. So I always pictured him coming home from his day as a chef uh, to the house. Um, He's wearing leaving. a hat with that says the original beef. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, you know, you obviously know he doesn't do that at his job, and he references right. some points where you're like, that's not what he does. But there was part of me that was that was playing that as I go. Uh, I gave this three and a half stars. Uh, I thought this was a great movie. Um, it'll be available on Apple, which I think will get a lot of people to see it. Um, so I would highly suggest it, uh, as an easy night in at the movies. If you're looking to check out something that's a little bit, a little bit different, a little slower, um, 
and I just think it really pays off with the 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 characters and and how they you know they spend the bulk of the time kind of you know sometimes there's those glances or looks or just these little moments that you know in a relationship you you kind of uh you find just touching and moving so yeah that's fingernails this doesn't necessarily sound like my cup of tea but but um the cast is enough to intrigue me so yeah, i don't watch, watch know. the trailer yeah maybe yeah cuz i haven't seen anything for it um maybe i'll do that maybe i'll check out the trailer just based off of the description it sounds kind of like offbeat romance drama kind of in the not yeah. obviously different stories but kind of along the the tone of like the lobster Lars and the real girl like yeah. that type of stuff is yeah. that a fair shout well the lobster is Yorgos Lanthimos who is uh I believe a Greek director and this this guy is from like the same school of that so mm-hmm. of just that little bit of little bit of a different world but like using the elements of the real world as like a way to be like so what is everybody everybody can sure. turn into an animal you know or whatever so um yeah. with the lobster so yeah um yeah no mm-hmm. you're 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 in the okay. right ballpark for sure okay yeah yeah i think i'll i'll definitely check the trailer out for sure and then if yeah. it's coming out on apple soon and it looks good then i'll yeah. i'll proceed but no. the cast sounds terrific Oh yeah, cast definitely, definitely. It's a it's a movie of performances for sure. Um, uh, next movie I saw was uh, the Holdovers, um, directed by Alexander Payne, stars Paul Giamatti. Uh, it also has a supporting performance by uh, Divine Joy Randolph, who I think will be uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Giamatti, I think, for Best Actor. Um, it's also the debut acting debut of Dominic uh, Sessa. Um, and, uh, he really kind of steals the show a little bit, uh, in the movie. Um, I think that's just the way his character is written as well for it. Um, funny thing about this movie is there's no sets. It's all shot on location. Um, this movie will probably be out, uh, November 10th wide. I think it's only limited right now. Um, and this movie, uh, is basically a cranky history teacher at a remote prep school is forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go. Uh, this is like a comedy drama style movie. Um, you know, if you're familiar with Alexander or Payne's dramedy, work, as the kids or, say, uh, dramedy, <laughs> very good. Um, Alexander <laughs> Payne's work uh, of Nebraska, The Descendants, uh, Election, Sideways, very well known director. Um, if you've seen any of his movies, so it's it's of that vein. Um, this is this was a really moving, uh, great movie. Um, I wouldn't say you could easily watch the trailer for this and feel it's very predictable. Um, in a little bit of a way, uh, but there's no surprises there, but it's just done so well. And as I mentioned that no sets, you got it, you get that feel, um, when you're watching it, um, of just the way it kind of stands out, um, with it, with it, and it's really, uh, focused on its tone and setting, uh, for sure. Um, I think it's a little bit long for maybe people who are, who like these dramedies, um, at about two hours and 15 minutes, but, uh, I had a great time. Uh, as I mentioned, I think uh, there'll be some awards for this one, um, possibly maybe even some, you know, I wouldn't say director, but, you know, I could easily see this maybe putting in for best picture with 10 nominations. Uh, I gave it four and a half stars. So really high on this one. Uh, as I mentioned, it'll come out early November, so probably will linger around Thanksgiving. So if you're looking for, I would say, a movie to maybe take the parents to, um, you know, or if you're looking for, you know, maybe a more adult movie um, or remembering a time. Uh, I would say this is this is your go-to. 
this was one of the few festival movies that was on my radar prior to being announced right, for the yeah, festival. Of course. And I I remember I saw the trailer and I was just really so smitten with it because um it has a very like 70s trailer vibe to it yeah which i loved definitely Um, sticks to that throughout the whole movie for sure i mean it takes place then but yeah which is great i oh so i didn't even know that it it took place during the 70s but even better like if you're gonna stick with that aesthetic by all means that's that is my favorite decade of movies uh it's my highest rated decade of movies of the stuff that i've watched so um Mm -hmm. love the 70s style and um yeah, Paul Giamatti can't go wrong with them. So I was happy to hear that this was a hit with you. Um, this is another one uh, where I definitely am going to make every effort to see it. Um, I didn't realize it was two hours and 15 minutes. That does seem a touch long for this type of movie. But I mean, if you're having fun, who cares? Um, and yeah, Paul Giamatti, man, <laughs> you can't go wrong with Paul Giamatti. Exactly. Exactly. That's my that's my thoughts. Um, so, uh, the next movie I saw, um, as, as we run through the list here, um, is the taste of things. And now this isn't expected Mm. to come out until, uh, February of 24, um, that I saw on IMDb. Uh, it stars, uh, Juliet, uh, Bonet, uh, Bonet, thank you. Uh, and Benoit Mm -hmm. Magimal. Um, and basically, (laughs) uh, yeah, they were actually once married at a time. Um, so, uh, and it's uh, basically the story of this movie. Uh, it, it tells the story of uh, Uzini, um, an esteemed cook, and Doden, uh, the fine gourmet uh, she has been working for for over the last 20 years. Um, so there's a little bit of, of you know, kind of, I would say, it's a period piece for sure. Um, it's, it's, it has dra- it's a little bit of a drama, a little bit of a romance, or... Uh, how would you say that? How would the kids say that? Germance or Rodram? <laughs> sure. I don't think Roma. there's one for that. <laughs> um, for it. So um, this is actually France's selection for best international feature. Um, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, this one is is a bit long, as I mentioned, and as a period piece. It's about two and a half hours. Uh, the first, I would say, 30 minutes are an opening cooking scene, um, which is absolutely marvelous uh thrill thrill seeking um don't go into this movie without eating first i gotta say that i'll just say that (laughs) right up front um as i mentioned this might be a while before it comes out um you know to the states uh but it's uh it's a it's a it's kind of a beautiful movie of of two people as i mentioned you know she she works for um doden um but there's kind of a little bit of a romance there in regards to that so um it's just kind of a movie you just kind of absorb and and take in um and 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 cooking is is kind of the the third main actor of this movie and uh it's absolutely delicious as I, as I could say so i gave this one four stars i really had a good time with this um like i said if you're not into history you know or period piece movies um or period romance movies that are two and a half hours long and cooking is a, is a an added ingredient in there maybe this isn't for you but as i mentioned it'll it'll be france's selection for best international feature we don't know if that'll end up being the one of the nominees but i would say there's a pretty high chance given um the the stars of the movie and just uh how well this movie was done so i gotta say i 
I was a little bummed when you told me about this because you just blurted out the rat was doing it all along. And yes. I'm like, ah, oh, that's yeah. messed up. I didn't wanna I didn't want to spoil <laughs> it. The prequel to Ratatouille <laughs> is here. It has arrived. I knew it. Um, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> um, little chef. Uh no, yeah, this this was one. It's funny because again, when you when you were gauging my interest on different features, you mentioned this one, and um, I kind of said what what you had just uh, echoed, which is, um, you know, I I wouldn't want to watch this on an empty stomach. I yeah. knew because like anytime anytime I watch any of these movies where it's like it's about chefs or cooks in the kitchen, whatever, like dude, I'm like all about eating whatever that meal is that they're prepping. Right. So. Yeah. I'll tell you what, maybe um, I definitely do want to check this out, uh, but I'm going to try and find out in advance what meals they were prepping and maybe get one of those so I can eat it as I'm watching yeah. and from the comforts of my home. But yeah, this um, this sounds, uh, like, you know, uh, right up my alley. This sounds like one that I would enjoy. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that, that cooking stuff. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Even if I don't have the, the actual skill to execute. <laughs> gotcha. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right. So the next one on the list is uh, a film called Eileen, uh, which is releasing on uh, December 8th. Uh, it's directed by William uh, Oldroyd, who uh, did a movie called Lady Macbeth uh, by uh, the Queen Florence Pugh, or starring the Queen Florence Pugh, I should say. Um, this stars uh, Thomas and McKenzie um, in regards to playing the lead role. Anne Hathaway is also in this movie. Uh, as well as uh, Shay Shay Wiggum, uh, it's also based off of uh, a novel called Eileen. Uh, shocking enough, uh, the name there, um, and it's about a woman's friendship with a new coworker at the prison facility where she works takes a, a wild turn. Um, this is a great hour for me. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without knowing the kind of uh, wild turn uh, that it takes. Uh, but it was wild. Uh, my my jaw uh, was left agape at watching, um, and it uh, it's about an hour and a half, so it isn't it isn't super long. Uh, it's another movie similar to the holdovers. I made the joke after that uh, really commits to the tone of kind of a period um, in the movie. I, I don't remember if it takes place in the seventies or the eighties. Um, I think it's more of the eighties, but it definitely has a, a vibe to it. Um, and really great performance from Anne Hathaway. Um, and it, it's a it's a little bit more humorous than it than it probably needs to be. Probably some a little bit of dark humor there. Um, and this is a little bit of a thriller mystery drama. If I didn't explain that already enough, um, I gave this three and a quarter star. Um, basically, as I mentioned, this kind of fell a little bit flat to me in the last thirty, uh, but really had me hooked um, and interested in the first hour, maybe hour fifteen. Maybe I'm giving it a little less, um, but kind of didn't really land the plane for me and. That sometimes is a theme, um, especially festival movies. Um, but yeah, this was another kind of big one that I think is making the rounds on at least trailers. Um, but like I said, if you like any of these actors, it's, it's, it's worth checking out. Or if you've read the novel, um, I don't know how it compares to the novel uh, in regards to the ending or, you know, how it you know translates. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty wild uh, ride. And especially throughout, you kind of notice uh, the dark humor in it for sure question is the is the prison guard female the prison guard um so it's it's basically they're they like do like um thomas and mckenzie is kind of like uh a, a, don't want to say a, 
does a little bit of everything, but she kind of plays like a little bit of a role. And Anne Hathaway's mm-hmm. character is more of a psychologist at the prison, so she ends up coming in. Um, it probably happens in the first fifteen. So again, not giving anything away there. But um, okay, yeah, they they kind of work it in all you know at a at a I don't want to say a boys' prison, but I think it's for like young young boys. Okay, okay, I wasn't. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if this was a a women's prison and yeah. Okay. No, I got you. all right. Um. Yeah, this one I'll have to check the trailer out um because I was totally unaware of this or what it was about, but yeah. I love a good prison setting. Uh huh. huge fan of Orange is the New Black, loved Oz. Um you know, I I I enjoy the prison dramas. Um Shawshank, all-time great. Um so this one has me slightly intrigued. Um and the twist sounds interesting. Although it does, it seems a bit disappointing that it kind of, I guess, falls flat uh, for the second might, half. But listen, again, I'm one, you know, one subject here for it. But, sure, I, you know, sure. I could easily see somebody being like, oh, that was an interesting way to, to kind of treat it and, um, you know, might like it a little bit more. Maybe it's really true to the novel and it's a good adaptation. But uh, uh, definitely, yeah. definitely solid feature. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'd be, okay. be interested to see your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I'll jot that one down for sure. Gotcha. So uh, what do you got next? Yeah, so these next two I'm going to kind of go through a little quickly because these to me are your typical uh, – one of the taglines at the festival every year is like see something uh, you've uh, – you you never you'll never forget or something or you know take a chance on something you'll never f- forget um sorry if i butchered that philadelphia film festival it's philadelphia <laughs> film society but basically they're movies that you just check out because sometimes they work out in your in your time frame or because you know you're trying to get to the next movie as i mentioned with some of the bigger ones um and that's the case with the the first movie uh la 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 chimera um this is an italian film uh, this was uh, released in uh, is going to be released in Italy in uh, November. However, I couldn't find a release date for the States, So this one might be a small one. Um, but it stars Josh O'Connor, who uh, is supposed to was supposed to be out um, probably a bigger star for the movie Challengers that was supposed to come out this year before it moved. Uh, he's been in uh, he plays Prince Charles in the show The Crown on Netflix uh he's also in the movie emma and god's own country so i think he's kind of a little bit of a heartthrob in that world especially with the uh the the crown uh episodes uh and basically this movie is a group of archaeologists and uh the black market of historical artifacts that they end up trying to find and sell um it's really interesting seeing a different part of italy that isn't so glamorous and and well desired um, it's also directed by a woman named Alice, uh, roar watcher, um, who did, uh, Le Pupo for which won uh, the Oscar short, uh, winner last year. Um, and as I mentioned, this is one of those festival movies. It's kind of a little bit of a, a comedy fantasy, uh, adventure movie, um, in a little bit of ways. It, it was kind of, it kind of lost me in the first kind of 30 minutes. Um, uh, it, in, it kind of really picked up in the last second half and I really was kind of buying in um, to it. So I, I think it's a, it's a kind of a mid tier one. I gave this three stars. Um, it might just be me on it. Maybe somebody else might watch it and, and love it, but it's a little different take on Italy and kind of the, the black market of historical artifacts in that ancient city. And um, 
you know, uh, it was fun, but uh, hard to hard to recommend because I, I never know when it'll be out, when people will be able to see it. Uh, same goes for a film called In Our Day, uh, which uh, comes out uh, in South Korea on 1019. So I don't know when it's going to come here. Uh, so and it's by a director, uh, Hong Sang So. Um, and basically, I, I wasn't familiar with with uh, Hong Sang So's movies. Uh, but it's a woman in her forties living at a friend's home, uh, answers briefly, uh, questions, uh, and a man in his seventies living alone at the end, uh, giving up, giving longer answers, uh, to questions. Um, they both had visitors for lunch in front of their guests. Coincidentally, they both added a uh, hot pepper paste to their, uh, ramen. Um, and it's kind of like one of those movies where the camera just sits down and the actors kind of act in front of the camera. There isn't much. Uh, you know, we kind of stay in these people's apartments. There's one where we go out to the roof and we go out to the deck um, and just kind of hear about their lives or what's going on. So it's definitely a smaller movie. Um, it's a short one. It's only an hour and a half. Um, made me interested in more of this director's uh, work. Um, pretty, pretty acclaimed director um, in that side of the world, I would say, as opposed to, um, you know, uh, our side. So, yeah, those are kind of two festival movies. I gave that one um, three stars. But one movie I did want to talk about um, that you did see, Greg, um, moving on uh, is a movie called Evil Does Not Exist. Um, now, this is uh, by Hamaguchi, um, who did uh, Drive My Car, which was, I believe, up for Best Picture last year uh, and won Best International Feature. I should have checked that before uh, I mentioned it. Um, this was kind of a surprising movie that uh, he had released. Uh, a lot of people had talked about, you know, I mean, it's it's so quickly um, after his win. Um, and it was a little bit of a surprise that it was being released, I guess, in 23 as opposed to 24. Um, when looking online, I could only find that it was going to release in Japan in 24. Um, and it is a Japanese movie as well. Um, but kind of wanted to throw it to you for this one, Papa, since this was uh sadly the only film you got to see i'll I'll give a brief description and then we can jump into your thoughts um but it stars uh a man named takumi uh and his daughter uh, hana live in uh the village close to tokyo and one day the village inhabits uh become aware of a plan to build a camping site uh near takumi's house offering city residents a comfortable escape to nature um so yeah so what were your what were your thoughts on this uh, this one here. I know we'll go a little bit more into detail since we both saw it um, for it. So I was hooked by the plot description because it was very vague and it's like, okay, this could go several different ways. Um, and Ryusuke Hamaguchi uh, really liked um, Drive My Car. So excited for this um, compelling title. And then the movie started. <laughs> um, <laughs> There, just from literally, from literally the opening shot, there were a lot of slow moments. The opening shot was, it had to be like a minute, uh, maybe longer of um, just a tracking shot facing up at the sky, going through the woods. Like, imagine being on your back on like a skateboard and then rolling yeah. through the woods. Like, that's the shot. Um, and that was all pre-credits. So you get that for like a minute and then there's another five or 10 minutes of, um, 
you know, just watching Takumi at work and zero dialogue, um, barely even any uh, sound. Um, I mean, there there is a score, but, you know, just it's it's very sparse. Um, and it, it, that's kind of a recurring theme with this movie. There's just like a lot of padding and filler shots. There's a lot of long tracking shots. There's shots from the back of vehicles. So like imagine hooking your camera up to your tailgate and then just driving away. And then that's the shot, like watching from the back of your car um, as you're driving. And we're talking like minutes and minutes of that with like no real connection to the plot. Yeah. Um, just that's the shot. Um kind of crazy like i said the first 10 or 15 minutes i think probably closer to 10 but no dialogue whatsoever um there was a beautiful score or there is a beautiful score by eiko ishibashi uh throughout the film and multiple times almost every time it gets abruptly cut off (laughs) with with a change in the scene um and sometimes not even sometimes the scene stays, but it just, the music just drops. It's not, um, it, it's not like the music fades out. It's very abrupt and jarring. And when I watch a movie, I like to be immersed in that world. I like to be in the film with the characters, like in that setting. And typically the score, um, helps immerse you further, or at least, um, kind of nudges at you emotionally while you're with these characters but when you make a choice like this to just abruptly drop or interrupt the music just hard without even fading out it's very jarring and it breaks that immersion at least for me so i did not like that at all and this it it, it was very heartbreaking because the score was so beautiful um the cinematography was beautiful there were gorgeous locations like artistically as you know just being a fly on the wall and kind of observing these actions and um and listening to that beautiful beautiful music uh that stuff was all great great characters um but the movie itself just very very padded um so, you know, without diving too much into it, uh, you know, you had you had mentioned a brief summary of the plot, but um there is uh the company that's putting up the glamping site um in, in the glorified town, camping, uh, baby. Yeah, yes, glorified camping for those who do not know what glamping is. Um it's actually the reason that the company is putting up this camping site, I mean, obviously to make money, but also there are subsidies from the Japanese government kickbacks involved for doing a program like this. So the company is actually a talent agency company and they're the ones putting together this site. So two of the talent agent employees, um, they're driving to the village and uh, it was a, uh, an awesome scene, probably my favorite scene in the movie. And it's just the two of them talking. The dialogue is very realistic and, and um, it, it draws you in. It gets you involved because it just, it's, it feels like you're in the backseat listening to two coworkers just shooting the crap. And you know, it's, um it's enough to be interested and, and, and interesting. So probably my favorite scene in the movie 
almost completely superfluous. Doesn't have anything really to do with the rest of the film. Not super necessary. Um, and that's, you just get pieces of that throughout the film. Uh, it just, it, it, I don't know. It, it was very strange. And so after I watched this, I went to get in more information on this and I looked it up and um, apparently this started out as a 30 minute short. Like that was the intention. And I, I don't think there was even supposed to be any dialogue uh, should have stayed that way <laughs> because this, while it does have some fine points and I'm probably being harder on it than, than most people would. In fact, I know I am because it has great reviews, but um I just I did not see the merit in a lot of this. Um, there was a review I read, and one of the quotes from it was, "It just felt very lazy, like he was shooting whatever and wherever, and you have to love it uh, because now he's a proclaimed auteur." And I was mm. like, "That's it. <laughs> that that's encapsulates everything I'm feeling with this right now." Like, there's definitely. It feels like if you just gave a film school student a budget with like higher end cameras <laughs> and said, go to it. Um, and this is what they shoot because there's just lots of lots of slow pacing and padding. And, you know, I I also understand that I am from a different country and a different culture and things with the Japanese culture is very um detail oriented and and focus on making even the smallest tasks um perfect and perfection and just you know expanding upon that so i know that maybe some of this doesn't play into my cultural sensibilities but i also know that i've seen a lot of film and i know what i like and what i don't and what yeah. i feel works and what i feel doesn't and i i don't feel that this worked yeah um last thing and i'll pass it to you but there is a very very open to interpretation ending here and for me yeah it was very much out of left field there's some wild stuff that happens and i i don't pretend to know everything um but i also you know i i consider myself educated i can pick up on um uh <laughs> i can pick up on analogies and and um things of of that uh you know illusions and not illusions illusions, illusions. michael yes um but i just uh i i did not understand the metaphor for this ending at all it just it did not click and it's for for a concept like i'm willing to admit if i don't understand something like i can at least recognize it's there but with this i could not even connect those pieces it was just so out of left field to me i'm like this is way beyond my head so i went to look it up and sure enough there was no information on it so i don't know if that's because there there just isn't um any critical interpretations of it yet or if the director hasn't come out and clarified, I don't know. But um, what I do know is yet again, it was a very jarring thing that does not make sense. And uh, yeah. you, you put all this together and it just, it didn't hit for me. Like there's, there is art in here, but I don't feel it was a complete movie. And if it is meant to be considered a complete movie, 
it ain't as good as it should be. Uh, for me, Evil Does Not Exist, um, disappointed, 2.75 stars. So kind of almost right in the middle there. But uh, yeah, it just didn't hit like I was hoping for it to do or for it to. I know I kind of rambled a bit because um, I had a lot to, to think about and say with this one. But yeah, no, you're give good. it to me. Like, are you are you on the same page? Did you see some of this stuff? Like, how did it hit for you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me, a little bit of it wasn't the a lot of the stuff that you mentioned that you either had problematic uh, with, um, as you mentioned, the opening shot, uh, some of the choices for camera location or what you were they ended up shooting uh, didn't bother me too much. It, but it also had a little bit of a Malicky feel to me in a way where, you know, Malik sometimes has the ability to just kind of shoot nature or put the camera down and then, you know, rejoin the story. Um, and he's not always my favorite director in regards to that. I do agree with you where, you know, there is a little bit of an element of, you know, Hey, we're, we're crowning this guy as the next big thing. And, you know, um, as you mentioned, you know, make taking a movie that was supposed to be a short and stretching it out. You could definitely see the seams there of that. I agree mm-hmm. with you on that, uh, element as well. Uh, however, I, I found the movie to be, uh, a little bit more enjoyable, especially with, uh, you know, the, the heavy dialogue scenes, like the car scene. I really enjoyed that a lot more. Um, even if I can't, you know, 100% say this is the reasoning for why to have it in there, you know, uh, as opposed to uh, your thoughts of just being maybe a little bit more of a pointless, I could easily see that being the case for some. So, again, it's one of those things where, like, I, I don't feel like I need to argue with you about it because it's like I don't I, – I see your point. Um, for me, it just didn't uh, impact it as much because I think what Hamaguchi has a really good sense of is putting a camera in a room with people or in a car with people and letting them interact and having just beautiful, beautiful dialogue as well as um, well-toned, well-told interactions of just sometimes everyday life or uh, sometimes of the movie, but go ahead. So it's interesting that you say that because I, I absolutely agree there. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned is great characters, and I want to elaborate on that a little bit because there is not a huge cast list, but all, I found literally every character compelling in some way, shape, or form. And sure. there were a lot of little side characters, whether it was a dinner with the um, the village chief or um, a quick lunch at a restaurant or the town hall huddle meeting with um, – uh, with these talent agency representatives, yeah. every character that spoke up, I was compelled by. It's like, yeah. I want to know their story. And so when we get all of these, to me anyway, pointless shots, again, location, cinematography, absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, yeah. instead of giving me 10 minutes of no dialogue, give me like three minutes of no dialogue and seven minutes of these characters interacting. Cause yeah. I'm super interested in them. We got such small snippets and it's like, I want to know more about that guy. Yeah. The dude with the glasses and the longer hair, like yeah, yeah. loved him. He made the most of his minutes, even though he didn't let's, have a ton let's of time. Visit, let's visit his house. That dude's see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me, let me get some more of that guy. So I don't know. It was just like, you're, you're absolutely right on with like his character work, the directing, his characters uh, and actors love yeah. that. And and yeah, just letting characters talk. But we didn't get as much of that as I would have liked in this film. Right. 
Yeah, and uh, I think I, I gave the movie three point two five. I wasn't. Um, I was whelmed by it. I wasn't under or overwhelmed. <laughs> um, gotcha. <laughs> so that was that was my. Uh, you know, I, I think if you're a fan of his work, I think it's worth you know seeking. Um, I don't know. You know, like I mentioned, this I don't think this comes out in Japan where uh, the movie takes place until twenty four. So. You know, I don't know if this will end up popping up anywhere, but, you know, I categorize that under another festival movie um, by, you know, another or tour, as we love to say. Um, So that was Greg's uh, one festival movie, everyone. So sorry, Greg. (laughs) It was. And, you know, hey, again, look, that's just my opinion. Um, I am in the very small minority. I think right now it's like 3.8 on Letterboxd. People are digging this movie. So yeah, you know, take take my opinion for hey. what it's worth. But these are the things I noticed. Yeah, hey, see the movie, read about it afterwards. You know, sure. if you want more context, let's um, talk. you know, I know. Yeah. That, yeah, hey, let's let's have a conversation. <laughs> um, all right, a couple more movies here uh, before we wrap up, um, and then I just kind of wanted to mention some movies that weren't at the festival that I think could be um, Oscar worthy, worth checking out during this uh you know highly anticipated release window the the high prestige movies as i categorize them uh one of the movies i saw was uh monster um i see this has a new york and la release of eleven twenty two. um so right around that thanksgiving window in there uh probably pretty limited don't know if it'll get a wider uh but we'll we'll see um this is directed by uh hiro kazu koreda uh, who did Shoplifters and Broker. Uh, Shoplifters was nominated for Best International Feature, I think, in 2018. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the movie uh, Rashomon uh, by uh, Kurosawa, uh, this is kind of how the story is told. Um, it's told from multiple different perspectives. Uh, it's about a mother who demands answers from a teacher uh, when her son begins acting strangely. Um, so it's a pretty heavy subject matter. It's a, it's kind of a drama with mixed with a little bit of a thriller, um, just because of the way the story is told from multiple different perspectives. Um, and the, it's pretty clear when they jump to a new perspective. So it's not something where they try and trick you or anything like that. Um, I gave this four and a half stars. Um, I have seen Broker uh, from Kareda, but I haven't seen Shoplifters. Uh, it was one that I missed at a previous festival. I think he has a really unique way of of telling stories um and in regards to this one i i'm kind of a sucker for multiple perspectives in gray area as i might have mentioned before as far as the gray area uh where you know there's different sides every story um you know and i think anyone with kids uh can relate to this anyone with young nephews or nieces uh or young children in their lives brothers or sisters um you know, not everything is always as it seems. Um, and you might be able to pick up on where the story's going a little bit, um, you know, either from watching a trailer or even while you're watching the movie. I was a little bit, um, I guess, as I mentioned, a little bit on the edge of my seat about where it was going because I was a little bit just kind of focused on each person's story. Um, but there's always multiple sides. Um, that's always something that I highly, highly preach in regards to whenever you hear something you know when i when i when i talk uh about jill here you know jill might have another side of that story uh so this is a beautifully done movie um i hope you get a chance to check this one out greg yeah it definitely sounds interesting um this is another one i I wasn't aware of but after um hearing the description it's like okay yeah that i i definitely want to check that out yeah gotcha 
Um, all right, next film on the list, uh, Perfect Days. Uh, this is uh, limited release 1110. Um, this is Japan's nomination for Best International Feature. I know I mentioned a couple uh, Japanese mm-hmm. movies. Uh, it stars uh, Koji uh, Yakusho uh, from 13 Assassins. Greg, I know you're into those uh, movies, so I, I wrote that one down there for you. So don't know. Those movies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's directed Racist. by Wim. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't. I didn't mean I'm it that just way. Kidding. I just, just you know, the, the martial arts samurai movies. You yes. know that uh, you're Thank more you. familiar with than I am. Uh, Wim yeah. Wenders is the director who did Paris, Texas, and Wings of Desire. Um, and you know, this movie is a movie that I I don't know if I would recommend to everyone. Um, it's about a janitor in Japan who drives between jobs listening to rock music. Um, that's what the movie is. Uh, it's a day in his life almost every day. Uh, it's a beautiful film. It's super slowly paced, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a way that is just going through, uh, the days, the days in the life of, uh, of this, of this actor. Um, or I should say this, this man, I, I honestly forget the, uh, the main character's name, which I'll, which I'll take a look at really quick. But basically, it was shot in 17 days. Um, this is uh, there's there's a famous Japanese director uh, Ozu um, who uh, who did a lot of you know slower movies uh, in Japan um, and is is well renowned and uh, I would say gets a lot of fanfare, especially in the in the higher film echelon. And uh, I would say this movie is a little bit inspired by that and. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this movie was was lovely. Uh, I could easily see uh, Yakusho getting a best actor nom, possibly, um, or you know if this film gets enough uh, release or gets enough uh, attendance. I gave it a four point two five stars uh, out of five. Um, just you know, might be a movie that won't hit. You know, depending on when you see it or what you're looking for. But uh, I uh, this this was this was the perfect movie uh, for me. Um, got a real emotional just watching it. Um, hard to, hard to say why it's not that anything crazy happens, to be honest. Like I mentioned, it's just a look into his life and, um, you know, but it's just, uh, it really is really is a touching movie. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. This one feels very much like it could, it could really go either way for me. Yeah. Um, like it, it sounds very interesting. But I also know, like, I definitely have to be in the mindset to just sit and watch, like, you know, a slower-paced yeah. movie. Like, I'm not going to be able to just pop this on any night, you yeah. know. So yeah, it's about it's about two hours. I mean, it's not super long, mm-hmm. but it but it is, you know, it definitely has a, you know, not to compare, you know, but like a drive my car feel of just, you know, just kind of going through the days a little bit uh, from that uh, element, just because we mentioned that film earlier. Sure. All right. Um, I'm going to mention these next two movies before I save uh, my favorite movie from the festival for last, <laughs> actually. Um, and this one is a, uh, a film called Red Rooms. Uh, it's a thriller. Uh, it's a Canadian movie. Um, this one probably falls a little bit in line with Sleep, as I mentioned earlier, just as far as the kind of style. Um, and it's basically uh, a model becomes obsessed with a high profile murder trial. Uh, This is a Canadian film. Uh, It's spoken primarily in French. Um, It had a great opening 30 minutes with a courtroom scene. Um, It has some great courtroom stuff. 
the ending kind of left me feeling a little flat. Um, it kind of lost me at some points as far as the direction it was going. Um, gotta be honest. I wish there was, uh, more reviews on letterbox that weren't in French, um, to be able to, to read, um, or go through Hit that Google. Trailer, um, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave this one three stars. Um, again, it's, it's a solid thriller. And I, I think for some, it might, it might hit a little bit more as far as keeping them on the edge of their seat. But, um, I think it got a, it got a little bit too, too weird at the end for me, um, for it. But, uh, Definitely, I think it might be up a little bit more your alley, but I could easily see, you know, falling a little flat for you, Greg. I do like courtroom dramas. Um, Doesn't spend enough time so, in the courtroom for me, but that's just me. Uh, okay. So I guess the primary focus is just the model getting into. Yeah, it kind of dives a little bit. You get what, to uh-huh. know a little bit more about her life, but you, you mm. know, and why she's, you know, taking an interest a little bit. But um, it kind of left me a little, like I said, a little flat. Uh, there for it. Mm. I need to watch the trailer for this one before I yeah, make a call. I would check it out. I would check it out. Um, uh, next one on my list is a film called Robot Dreams. Uh, this is an animation feature. It's based on the popular graphic novel by uh, North American writer Sarah Varnon. Uh, or Varen. Uh, robot Dreams tells the adventures of and misfortunes of a dog and robot in New York City during the eighties. Um, and uh this this one uh possibly could be streaming in November. Um I didn't see an actual release date for it. Uh I will say for an animated feature it's about an hour and 42 minutes. Um I could easily, you know, as we talked a little bit about earlier Evil does not exist this being a little bit shorter or maybe even a short film. Um but I think it really pulls at the heartstrings and the um you know, going through the character, <laughs> this dog's life in New York in the eighties, uh, you know, uh, kind of, kind of tells its own story a little bit of, in a way. Um, it has a great use of the song, uh, September. Uh, I gave this one three and a half stars. Uh, I will be interested to see if this is up for best animated feature. Cause I think it will probably need some help. Um, in regards to that, uh, I also predicted before the, beginning of this movie that my wife would be crying her eyes out it's one of the uh only films she saw at the festival and she was a mess at the end um and i don't want to spoil why but uh i found it's it's just a another way that we can tell stories through different uh methods um and through different forms and animation uh is always one that i think is uh relatable for any age in that way uh, so this was, um, a great story. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I found it to be, uh, good, not as good as my wife thought, but definitely, definitely a solid, uh, 12 o'clock matinee, uh, animation movie. And, uh, Hey, listen, if you love New York, you love the eighties, uh, there's definitely some, some moments there where you can hear the callbacks too. This is one that I am totally all in on. Like, first of all, to your point, yeah, dude, bang that drum. Guillermo del Toro banging that drum for animation. (laughs) Like, that is, by all means, like, it's just, it's a shame that animation, and it seems to be, like, a a thing particular to this country, or at least in in comparison to Japan, Um, but, like, it's a shame animation just primarily gets lumped into kids or family movies because there's so much more to do with it um than just that subgenre. Yeah. But it seems like everybody's like, cartoon. Um so that's kind of annoying. But yeah, this 
uh, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware this movie existed until you mentioned it. And then, uh, like, you know, leading up to the festival, I saw, you know, a, a little clip of the, the animation, which looks gorgeous. Yeah. Setting it's sounds really well like done, my yeah. type of thing. Um, you know, just a, a very like clean looking style, but, but also like enticing and, and compelling. Um, uh, yeah dude i was super bummed that i missed out on this one like i just i really really wanted to check it out so i'm hoping it does drop um for streaming because i i absolutely will check this out as soon as it does nice love it love it love it love it love it uh yeah I, i'll be interested to hear your review when it when it comes uh final film uh my favorite film of the festival just uh and let me preface this by saying it won't be for everybody uh but saltburn <laughs> Uh, which comes at eleven seventeen uh, limited, so probably over that Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, a lot of Thanksgiving movies this year, um, and yeah. it's about a, a student at Oxford University finds himself drawn into the world of a, of a charming and a aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. Uh, that uh, student um, who finds himself drawn into that world is played by uh, Barry Barry Keoghan. Uh, from Banshees of Inisherin, Keegan. Keegan. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Jacob Alordi, uh, who is in uh, Priscilla, uh, soon to come out, and of uh, Euphoria so. fame. Um, it also has. Uh, it also stars Roseman Pike, uh, Carrie Mulligan, Richard E. Grant, um, and it's directed by uh, Emerald Fennell, uh, who did Promising a Woman. So, if you are familiar with that uh, film, uh, you know. This is in similar vein. Uh, this is a wild movie. Um, it doesn't start off wild, but uh, quickly quickly picks up uh, later on in the film. Uh, I love the way this was shot. Um, I have to look up the exact way it, this was shot, but it had a very box feel to it, and it felt very tight um, and almost a little bit claustrophobic. Was it on 16 mil film? film? Like, were there uh... black bars on the side? Maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know off the top of my head. But uh you Sounds when good. you see it, you kinda you kinda will tell. Um definitely try to watch this if you're not watching it at home. Watch it in a theater that uh that does that does production well, I'll say. Um I I don't want to say too much about this movie, but if you're familiar with uh, you know, promising a woman, um then you know you might have a little bit of a taste. Uh I gotta be honest, um Jacob Lordy, I don't think anyone has been hotter in a movie. Um, to be honest with you, uh, he was captivating, uh, in his role. Um, so is he the next Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> uh, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's already ascended past that, uh, to be honest, or he wow. will with this and Priscilla. Um, I gave this five stars, uh, absolutely. Like I mentioned, wild time. Uh, this, this is a, this is a comedy. This is a drama. This is, has thriller elements to it, keeping you on the edge of your seat to what's happening next. Uh, would highly, Highly recommend checking this out if you're a fan of movies that aren't um, part of the norm uh, in a way. So, uh, yeah, loved it. Uh, can't recommend it enough if you uh, like your movies with a little bit of uh, depravity in them. Uh, if, you, if, if you saw Babylon, uh, I'd say it has similar vibes. Not 100%, but that's a movie that I absolutely adore and uh, is loathed by some people. So, <laughs> um, so with this one, it's interesting because I kept hearing 
our group talk about this, like, oh, Saltburn, 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 like, that's the one, you know, gotta check it out. And then when I read the little quick two-line synopsis or whatever, in my mind, right. I'm just envisioning indie version of Dinner for Schmucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe that's way off base. But um, all kidding Ooh. aside, it seems, based on your description, and granted, you know, you, you kept it vague, um, but it seems like maybe it's kind of same vibes as like triangle of sadness. Is that accurate? Uh, kind of like it definitely is elements, definitely elements of just like making fun of, you know, um, but not as removed, I would say, um, Mm. definitely a little bit more perverse, uh, Mm. in that element. Um, but yeah, it definitely has a, you know, a, a sprinkling of, of triangle of sadness in there for sure. Okay. Yeah, this is one I'm definitely very intrigued by. Um, yeah, you know, based that, that on would be the way to, I would go in for sure. Try to try based to not on the buzz. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to have any preconceived notions like, oh, it's gonna be crazy or whatever. But like, it just um, go in with I, an yeah, open mind. Less is better when you go in. Yeah, go in with sure. an open mind. Mm-hmm. So. And just some films that I wanted to mention really quickly uh, to wrap it up. Um, As I mentioned, I think some of these will be up for Oscars. Um, You know, Saltburn, I don't think will be up for anything. Uh, Robot Dreams, possibly animated. Uh, I mentioned uh, Perfect Days will be Japan's, hopefully, uh, nomination for Best International Feature. Hopefully they get that. Um, Monster is a movie I think that could linger on the independent cinema slash uh, New York and LA, um, you know, if it comes out to Philly, you might be able to catch a show. Uh, Taste of Things, that'll be France's. Uh, the Holdovers, I think, will get a lot of nominations, um, and I think is the um, one of the stars of, of the of the season of the festival season. Uh, Dream Scenario could be interesting. I could see maybe something for Nicolas Cage, but again, might just be a little too wacky. Um, but as I mentioned, some other films, a film I did not catch at the festival, American Fiction, uh, that comes out on 1215, uh, that stars uh, Jeffrey Wright um, and is uh, is going to be possibly a uh, nomination for him for Best Actor. Highly recommend this that's, off of friends who saw this, but go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, that's one where like I read the description, I'm like, eh, I don't know, and then I yeah. saw the trailer, I'm like, ah, oh, this looks great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, I missed that, uh, because I saw killers of the flower moon, uh, which, you know, just wanted to mention if, uh, you haven't seen it in theaters, which we saw together. Yes, we did see together, <laughs> but I would say, you know, at this point, probably wait for it to be on Apple. Um, if you haven't seen it in theaters, cause you know, this is going to sure. start getting in the smaller theaters and that's no good. Uh, I mentioned Jacob Lordy earlier, Priscilla, uh, that comes, that came out, uh, 1027 limited. So look for that to expand, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Napoleon, uh, Ridley Scott's movie on 1122 oh, in my could possibly be a festival contender. Uh, poor things, uh, starring Emma stone, uh, that comes out on a uh, 12, eight, uh, that from oh, what I've been hearing, uh, is all the rage. Um, I think she will Ooh. get a best actress nom. I also festival think Mark Marley. Ruffalo will get a best supporting nomination for that. And, uh, that's another Yorgos Lanthimos movie. So we mentioned him already, but, uh, in case you're unfamiliar, uh, zone of interest like and Yorgos. I do, uh, zone of interest, which comes out on 1215. Uh, one of the actresses that was, uh, is in the movie anatomy of a fall, which I also saw during this festival season, uh, not at the festival, but was released. Um, she also, uh, stars in that, um, that one's, uh, 
hard to talk about film um, without seeing it, but just keep that in mind for festival season. Uh, and lastly, I put this one on here for you, Greg, because it could be a wild card um, coming out late December, Iron Claw. Um, and that comes out on 1222. So uh, just some that films to probably... keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. I would say Iron Claw is probably my most anticipated film over the course of the next couple months. Napoleon gotcha. I am really looking forward to, but yeah. Iron Claw edges it out just because I'm familiar yeah. with the the Von Erickson yeah. big wrestling fan and it's A twenty four, so beautiful. Like you got the recipe for all the right stuff. All great cast. My so, only my only concern yeah. with it is it might be too late in the season, but um, you know, mm. it'll it'll be making the late festival circuits and you know, there'll be some buzz. So those are just to keep in yeah. mind if if you're if you're not a Marvel uh, or Star Wars head, you know, I know we cover a lot of that, so we wanted to give you guys a little bit of the uh, other side of the coin. I think you left one off your list, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. Yeah, I purposely <laughs> left that one off. I wanted to talk about Three Musketeers D'Artagnan instead, so... Um, uh, Aquaman also potential nominee for several Razzies. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely possibility, for sure. Uh, 100%. The Dark Horse. 100%. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you so much for the roundup, man. There was yeah. a lot of interesting films there. And I think it's funny because even just running through those that you saw, it's like, oh, man, I want to see that, 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 that. Like, look, I know right now we're kind of in the doldrums of like the release calendar. And there's yeah. some stuff here and there, but like holiday season starting to ramp up soon. And, uh, you know, as Harry mentioned, a lot of great content coming out, major releases, smaller releases, like good time yeah. to be a movie fan. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with, you know, our buddy Tim, as soon as we left, you know, always the complaint is, is there's never anything good on, or I can't find anything good to watch. And <laughs> it just, you know, just, you, you head down to the film festival for, for one night to catch two movies in Greg's case, one movie, and it wasn't the movie for him. <laughs> Um, wow, wow. but sometimes, sometimes you hit a home run and you see things that you're just happy that you got a chance to see. And that's, you know, listen, not everybody has the chance to go to a festival, but you know, sometimes if you, if you're interested in a movie and you see it out in theaters, take that chance, go see it. You might see something that you're just surprised by and you're, you're happy you saw. So, um, that's you know, Sad, or even like, yeah, stream. It, yeah. Like you can, you know, you obviously there's, there's lots of different um avenues for information these days so you know if there's something in there on the list that in theaters that you're not familiar with like yeah look it up maybe take a chance go see an indian yeah. movie like there's there's always some good times to be had with those like absolutely go see Jump a smaller release film yeah yeah exactly uh have some fun with it but yeah, man, really appreciate the rundown on uh, yeah. all your films. I, I look forward. I mean, it's it seems like you had a, a good year. Oh yeah, great year. One of one of my higher volume years as well. So I appreciate the uh, the mm -hmm. folks listening at home, and hopefully there's something on there that intrigued your interest that you wrote down or put in your voice memos or your reminders to check out. And uh, you know, hopefully next year you'll be able to join me for some more for some more fun. Um, you know, we'll carve out some time. So hey, that's the beautiful thing. It'll be here next year. So. Amen, brother. Uh, all right. Well, we're about to sign off. Anything for the peeps? Yeah. Uh, love your hands. Can't wait to have you back on our, on our next episode. Uh, the the hey. hand strikes back. Um, and just <laughs> for all the people at home, I can now uh, 
confess that Greg has had a has had a gun pointed at me this whole time to record uh, without <laughs> hands. So it's against my will. Uh, but I did dark. it anyway. I did it anyway. I did it for yeah. the people. So um, I'm kidding. Of course, I did it I'm for kidding. the rock. I'm kidding. But he's very excited to get our, our roaming reporter back uh, for the next episode. And uh, got a couple fun topics we've been tossing around to discuss. So um, check. Can't wait for you guys to hear that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, be well, stay safe, enjoy this beautiful weather, and uh, we will see you next time when our roving reporter, the boy, returns. Uh, hands, we love you. Everybody else, we Raise love them you. Kids. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes. And uh, hey, as always, make sure that you live spicy. Spicy.